In this episode of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark, we are looking at how you're going to get an increase of miracles by working with restraining your tongue. And this is a heavy session, but a delightfully liberating session with prayers that will set you free into blessing as we break the curses that have been spoken over your life, but as we also wrestle with how God wants us to change, that we may be a church who stewards his great power. Welcome to this episode of What the Prophets Say. Hello and a very warm welcome once again to What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark, and I am joined as ever by the delight that is Mr. Prophet Sam Robertson. Welcome one and all to going deep, getting free, being transformed by the word of the Lord in this season. Sam, how are you, my friend? Yes, good. We're both unintentionally matching today in red. It's a red day, which I don't know what that means. Red letter day. So hopefully that means we're having some significant conversations. I mean, literally, we have dressed nearly identically. Yes, uh, which is saying something. But you know what? That actually quite often happens. happens And uh, it's I don't know why, but I do know. I think because there are different anointings on different colours. Oh, we could have a conversation about that. Do you do you know what colour you're meant to wear each day? I love the scripture and how it puts different colors with different Mm, anointings totally and that sense of when i go to dress myself in the morning i would love to tell you it's deeply spiritual every day sometimes it's it's, instinctive well sometimes it's what is clean and what is ironed what is iron Uh, but sometimes there is that sense of actually i have to put on that color today Mm. and so you know there are days where you feel i really need to wear turquoise why do i really need to wear turquoise today do you have much turquoise in your wardrobe i don't think i see you in much turquoise no i don't think i've got any turquoise to be honest i have lots of patterns you do have lots of patterns. That's, I don't know where we cite that scripturally. No. But anyway, um, uh, the pattern of scripture there is the go. pattern. There no. we go. Um, but let, let's take turquoise because we've we've taken ourselves down this path I, it, where Isaiah talks 54. about Isaiah 54. You, yeah. you know it. You know, oh, afflicted city lashed by storms and not comforted. I will rebuild you with turquoise. turquoise. And that sense of I put on turquoise and in the scriptural dynamic, it is the color of rebuilding rebuilding yeah and sometimes and recovering after storm and recovering after destruction. yes and and i love that yeah and it's interesting and god's dressed in a rainbow he's dressed in color as yeah, well I, I, yes it, it, the, the beauty for that cut, for yeah. me of god dressed in a rainbow that is also predominantly emerald green yeah. and what that symbolizes mm-hmm. and many people um think that those seven Colours in that rainbow are to be linked to the seven spirits of God in the early chapters of Isaiah. Yeah. So when you're looking at, oh, actually, quick, grab your phone and look up the seven spirits of God. Isn't that the way you're? We're such. You're such a millennial. I didn't Straight say to, to you. I didn't say Sam. Grab your Bible. I said grab your phone and Google the seven spirits Absolutely. of God in the beginning chapters of Isaiah. But that sense that 
um, the seven spirits of God or the seven elements of his nature, the seven dominant parts of his characteristics yeah. are listed there in the beginning chapters of Isaiah. And actually some fairly serious theologians link those to the colors of the rainbow, totally. giving the clothes that God wears in Revelation um, uh, an equivalent to his spirits. Mm, so yeah. let's go through it. The spirit oh. of the Lord is the first one. Yeah, Isaiah. the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. It's Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. Verse 2, um, yeah. Yes. The spirit of wisdom Ooh. and of understanding. Yep. The spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So you've got those seven natures of God, yeah. seven spirits they're called in scripture, linked to um, the, the seven colors of the rainbow. Yep. So we know that we find green there as the spirit of counsel. If we just put this, yep. the spirits in a in a line and we put the colors of the rainbow beside them, um, that actually when I'm wearing green, it's the spirit of counsel of God. Come on. In scripture. Absolutely. It's incredible, isn't it? It is. And I think it pushes us into a conversation of, God, what did you mean when you created colors? Yeah, well, God created colors, so they have a redemptive quality to them. They have a godly quality to them. Yes. And actually the joy that you can, I think, look into the spirit realm or look into the kingdom of God or even just feel what color do I need to wear today and, and, and let's not super make it like this super spiritual all of a sudden your life's changed but actually sometimes it's as much i'm dressing to agree with the activity of god today god you're acting with counsel so actually i'm just gonna dress i'm gonna put yeah. green on just even as a symbol of i'm agreeing with how you want to turn up today i think sometimes it's even just as simple as as a sign of agreement i suppose really where we're pushing is that everything originates in the realm of the spirit and god makes things after their kind, kind. so that sense of the colors in heaven mm. we're, we're back in the genesis yeah. concepts of god making things after their kind and seeing that they were good that he follows the pattern of heaven and he replic replicates it on the earth so there's clearly colors in heaven that's very biblically ev mm. uh, easily evidenced and there are colors therefore on the earth so god when you created yellow when you made the heavens yeah. and the earth what did you mean by that yeah what did you mean by red so as you and i are both wearing red today fire passion mm. burning the god the consuming god mm. the god who is burning his people right now mm -hmm. that is just a glorious aside partnership yeah yes because that's not the theme of that what is we want. not the theme <laughs> but we love a good prophet tangent just we do we do so there. can i just bless you guys who are listening mm. to come into creativity in your wardrobe and creativity in your home with colors and to come back to the enjoyment of the god who creates oh come on and the god who releases colors to mm. us and that sense of i'll tell you a story um I actually had a prophetic word for a, a husband and wife team who were struggling with relational intimacy. And I remember God saying, tell them to change the color of their bed linen. And I'm thinking, Jesus, even I know that changing the color of your bed linen is not a marriage cure for physical intimacy. But actually, they God was specific. They changed the color of their bed linen. And there was something of an anointing of God that came in. Even in that act of obedience, God did name the color. And they had a, a, a healing in their physical intimacy. Mm. Come on. 
isn't that weird that God does whatever he pleases? He does whatever he pleases. That's what the Psalms tell us. God does whatever he pleases. Uh, and the, the majesty of working with God in these wildly diverse mm -hmm. creative re ways, which yep. is why I think sometimes prophetic artists should be drawing things that when I watch it, I get healed. Yeah, you get you get transformed totally. Yes. I think, and God does, he does whatever he pleases. It's like, you know, oh no, cash your net on the other side of the boat. What's that? Maybe five feet of a difference. But why? Yes. Because I do whatever I please. Yes. And was there all of a sudden that the, the, there was fish there and there was a line and then there was none? Or was it their obedience and the creativity of God to, you know, Jesus saying cast it on the other side yeah. was just what created that miracle? And I think sometimes... It is odd, uh, you know. Yes. Def, you know wear that color, do that thing, but it's just partnering with the God who is creative and always has yeah. ideas and solutions. That I'm so woven with the realms of the spirit that even how God dresses in a yeah. day, because I have seen God wear some very different things mm -hmm. in my encounters in the heavenly realms. Mm -hmm. That very clearly, that not only does He love color. But he's very passionate about interior design. He's very passionate about telling the priests what to wear and how the ark should be measured how or how the look, temple yeah. should look with its soft furnishings. He's specific. He's very specific about things like that. Now, please do not go. Please do not go weird. Yes. Do not be weird. <laughs> And say, God, I can't even eat a cereal unless you've told me in the morning for breakfast what cereal it is. Oh, Jesus, I must stand naked before my wardrobe until the word of the Lord comes with a color. No, 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 no. Okay. Enjoy. Yes. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. It's relationship. It's dialogue. The shopping with God, the relationship with God, the what do I need God. Mm. You see, you can go sh f uh, clothes shopping for what you think you need. And then you can go clothes shopping for what God says you need to yeah. put on. That's that a whole different journey. Absolutely. What colors you need to wear for the season. Oh, now we're really being prophets, Sam. Yes, we are. We and are. being quite ethereal. Okay, <laughs> shall we actually get on to the topic yes, that we planned? Yes, yes, let's do that. Some serious things to share with you and actually some liberation and life to bring to you. I feel, my friends, that when I am in the spirit realm, listening to the noise of the church, I can hear things that deeply concern me. And that when I am with God in the heavenly realms and I'm caught up and we're listening to what is the noise of the bride? What is the sense of the dominant sound? Are they a, a sweet aroma before him? Is God going, oh, I smell your prayers like incense. Remember, God is soothed by smell in scripture. I think that's really a strange thought that actually the, the, the smell that we create by our lifestyle is soothing to God. Mm. And he talks about smelling us and being pleased and being calmed by the aroma of the saints. So biblically, we're on fairly good ground here where we're talking about, well, what do we sound like and what is it doing in the heavenly realms? And the sound, sadly, that I have to tell you that we sound like is of great discord. And it is the noise of a church in violent, aggressive criticism 
of each other. And the Lord said to me, the most dominant sign that the church is making in the realms of the spirit, obviously in the natural realm too, is a sign of criticism. And the sign of critique of each other is more weighty and more dominant and uh, more evident than our sign of prayer and worship. Now, when God said that, I'm stunned. Mm. God, are we that out of balance in your courts that we signed vile before you rather than worshipful or a people of great blessing? Mm. And, And I think if we're really honest, we have normalized dishonor to the point where we don't even recognize that so much of the chatter is dishonoring. And we were ministering together in in another nation and they talked about how honor has become awkward to the point where they now just see it as flattery and insincere. That we have so come out of the the, the honor conversations, the honor words, and we so normalize dishonor that honor is now almost awkward. Because yes. it's so not within our nature. And we say, oh, well, that's just flattery. That's insincere. We don't even trust when honor comes out of, of other people's mouths. And we've got to hold our hands up. Look, all of us have had a part to play in that. And and this is not us pointing fingers. And for those watching, you're not saying, oh, yeah, my church dishonors. Oh, yeah, that person over there dishonors. I think we've got to start with our own hearts. Have I been, have I played a part in this? Is what comes out my mouth contributing to it? And allow God to search and try us with it. Because, I mean, if you if you tune your ear into the spirit right now, you can hear the chatter all the time, the chatter that's going on. And I think, I mean, you and I have ministered to hundreds, if not thousands, it, it probably is in the thousands of, of leaders over the years. And I would say, just as I, uh, you know, pick up um, uh, the Bible here to read you from Matthew 5, verse 11. Mm. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. I have lost count of the number of times I have read that scripture over people. As healing. As healing. Bam. Blessed are you when people insult you, that we have had to go to that scripture and actually call down and invoke in the name of Jesus the blessing for people that has gone Mm. with their rejection and their insult. That they're so broken, these leaders are so broken or or, um, uh, hurt by the rejection that actually we have got to medicate them with the blessing of God that is clearly there in scripture for them. Let let me ask you a question on that, just as, as we honestly discuss where leaders are at. Do you think there is a single leader that you've not had to deal with some level of dishonor around or criticism in ministry? No, never. I think almost every, I'm I'm racking my brain, every leader, even if it's only for five minutes, I think we probably deal with dishonor, criticism, and the pain that that has brought and the limitation. I I think we need to push this and unpack this a little bit more. But first, I would say to you who are watching and listening to this, I want to command a blessing in your life. Mm. I want you just, as you maybe drive the car, as you sit listening to this, whatever is your podcast norm, what I want you to do is breathe, okay, my friends? And I want you to breathe in the blessing that is yours after a cycle of dishonor. 
I want you now to receive that and say, I receive blessing where I have been misunderstood because that's clearly biblical. And I loose that to you right now in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. And for every wound and every hurt and every unkindness and every willful belittling and misunderstanding, in the name of Jesus, we pull that off your physical frame and I loose the blessing of God into your life. Mm. Just take that and say, that's mine, that's mine. I do think, Sam, in this, we have come under the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, the the demonic weight, where Satan has said to us, I want you to choose offense. I want you to feel comfortable in offense. I want it to be a cultural instinctive. I will be offended. Mm -hmm. And we have partnered with that. And we must tremble before God and say, sorry, I have loved being offended. I have been comforted by offense. And I have come into a full marriage partnership, covenant relationship with the delight in being offended for how good it makes me feel. Totally. And we actually go out looking to be offended. We do. We, we, we don't go out hope, believing the best. Oh, even though that person said that, I know their heart and I believe the best and I choose not to be offended. We don't do that. We are on the hunt for offence. Almost as if it's a right. I have the right to be offended and I will be offended. And we live a life of offence and of holding it. And and then we, we don't deal with it. It festers, it grows, it festers, it grows. I, I remember being offended uh, uh, with a friend actually not that long ago. I would love to tell you, oh, I have whittled defense out of my life. Can we just be honest? We're all on a, on a glorious no journey. No one has. <laughs> and I'm, and you know what happens when you're offended? You rehash your offense. They did this and they did this and they yeah. did this and God, you need to sort them out. You know, and that sense of um, the rehash of your offense to solidify it and to own it even deeper. Mm-hmm. Now, once you do that, that relationship is very difficult to fix because you then believe you are owed something. You are owed apology and you won't change and, and walk towards them until you get apology. That's where offense takes you. So I'm mulling over this. They did this, they did this, they did that. And God almost audibly cut in and he said, Emma, what if you are the problem here? And I was so stunned. (laughs) What if you are the problem here, Emma? And I sat back in it in trembling. And I said, okay, I now need to say, am I the problem here? God, am I the problem here? I mean, I I didn't want the answer. He said, yes. You are the problem in this situation. Mm. (gasps) Oh, Jesus, help, you know. Now, it was as soon, it was like a suddenly miracle. I'm clicking my fingers here. It was as fast as that when I said before God, I am sorry that I am the problem here. Now, can I tell you up to that point, I thought I was wholly justified. Mm-hmm. I turned into a different person in a suddenly miracle of God where I thought, oh, if I'm the problem, I need to, to walk towards that person completely differently. That's straightforward. Totally. And I, I, can I tell you, I was shocked by the turnaround in my own, own heart, heart and the speed of it where I'm going, oh, I'm, I'm the issue. 
and we 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 are so stuck in the place of wanting offense that we don't even ask that question when was the last time you asked that you know our listeners our viewers when, when was the last time in your offense you said am i the problem am here? i the problem am i am i actually have i got the issue and i'm the one who has to resolve something and it's not even that people don't say stuff to offend people do people are clumsy with their words but it's the humility in our hearts where we're brave enough to actually have the dialogue and say what if i'm the problem i'm not gonna hold my offense tightly and we're not saying here you live you're gonna live life unoffendable i think there are moments where you're tired you're hungry yes. you're stressed your guards down you get offended but it's that we're gonna live life number one not always looking to be offended and I think as well, number two, being humble enough to have the honest dialogue. Could I be the problem? And do I actually need to then be the solution to it? Yes. Can you read to us from Corinthians? Um, you and I were chatting about this the other day because we were ministering together overseas. And it is the Corinthians concept that I have to view people from the perspective of God. I mean, this is one of the, the commands of God. I know sometimes, you know, there are promises and we love the promises of God, but there are some New Testament commands. Uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians 5 mm -hmm. as, as Sam looks it up. That, 2 Corinthians 5. Sorry, yeah. 2 Corinthians 5. Do you want to read it to us, Sam? So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. The command, so regard now on. not from now on, start from now. this moment, yeah, start now. you must not assess that person by any other means apart from God's thought process Absolutely. of Absolutely, yeah, come on. From I mean, a worldly point yeah. of view, I am not allowed to assess you. Yeah. In anything other than how God thinks about you. And you're going to have to say, you have to say that to yourself, especially in moments where you think, I am offended here or I'm irritated here. I regard this person no longer from a worldly point of view. You're going to have to say that inside and you're probably going to have to pray that. I think that is, that is a scriptural truth, a command that is the medication to the zeitgeist of I need to be offended all the time yes. and I look to be. If you want to overcome that, that desire for offense, get this verse and pray that command and wash your mind with it. So I want to push this conversation, Sam, because I think we have a major lack of miracle, lack of the power of God crisis in the church. And I want to give us some answers in how you deal with increased miracles or how you access increased miracles. Mm -hmm. Because Zechariah 13 verse 7 says this, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. In other words, if you speak against leadership and if you criticize and critique leadership, not according to the voice of God or the will of God or the thought processes of God, you bring an inability for the sheep to be whole. Mm -hmm. That what you think you say in your quiet place of your bedroom or your private room where you have your friends around for dinner what you say in that place, if it is a striking against leadership, whether it be the church or the state or politics or celebrities or, you know, the education board or the film, it doesn't really matter. If you are striking leadership, you give authority to Satan 
because Satan gets authority from us because we have all power and all authority from Christ and Satan doesn't. So we empower Satan and we authorize Satan by striking words to go and to scatter people in their well-being. Mm-hmm. Now, that means, could it be that we have a mental health crisis of the scattering of our minds because of the culture that has struck negatively yeah. anybody in authority? Well, let's talk about the outcome of what 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 happens to scattered sheep. Well, yes. when you're scattered, you're disconnected, you become isolated, there then is open doors for confusion. I think it disorientates the sheep, it, it, it spins the sheep out of control, there's confusion. When you lack even belonging, that sense of the, yeah. the, the ability to belong, that scattering then brings, you know, disconnection, it brings the lack of the ability to host the fullness of God. We know that God visits gathered bonded people that's where he comes and i think we've got to be careful i think as well when you're talking about private rooms and and conversations we we are we have become so clumsy with our words and how we speak and i think sometimes the 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 striking of the shepherd is very intentional i think we've fallen so far from having the culture of honor in our hearts that it can be accidental because we are clumsy. Yeah. And we've got to recognize this. Not everything I feel I have to say. Do you know? Not, Not everything, everything I feel I have to say. I have to put words totally. to. Totally. I don't, yeah. I, if I feel like that person didn't lead this way or they're not making that decision, if I feel that, I don't have to, I don't have to say everything yeah. and almost that I have a right to say my opinion and, and actually rather you don't, you don't. And you don't. I, I think, you know, as as we look after teenagers, yeah. you know, um, my own children and those in the church that I have a responsibility before God for. And we see the gender fluidity. We mm. see the sexual crisis. We see the identity. Massive, yeah. I mean, it is massive. And so we're continually asking, how did we get here? I mean, how did we come to this place where our teenagers feel, what do they feel? Scattered. They feel internally scattered. They don't know who they are. They don't know what to choose. So they go for, well, I'm bisexual because I don't know what to pick. It's it, it's a scattered internal generation. Yeah. And so I kind of feel in all of that scattering, where do we talk in scripture about sheep scattered? We talk about it in Zechariah 13. Because of the level of dishonor, we have made our culture not safe. Mm. We have... St- words that our children hear that they grow up and they hear criticism from parents from others where criticism is normal how would you expect anybody to grow up feeling secure when all they hear is words of criticism not necessarily about themselves but about everybody else trying to bite. And I think we have to lift this scripture of strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter and not just, you know, apply it into the house of God, but apply it into the dynamics of an entire culture that is scattered because of the striking of our tongues against everybody round about us. And and, and leaders and, and leadership and those who have that. And maybe the problem isn't the leaders and maybe the problem isn't they are uh, you, you know and some some are are weak and, and yes there are some who, who aren't right but maybe the problem as a whole isn't leaders but as 
our conversation about them and is what comes out of our mouth. And I do think, you know, like you asked there about um, offence, you know, what if you're the problem? I think yeah. we've also got to apply it to this verse here. What if we're the problem that there is this scattering? See, what if I'm I, the I, problem I, I, here? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think sometimes we are in a default place of wanting to give the blame the to blame. Satan. Yeah. And well, Satan, you did this bad <laughs> yeah. thing and, you know, we need to go to warfare against you. And that, I mean, that is right. There's absolutely that place. Yeah. But there is that sense of we are those in the earth with power and authority. We are the seed sowers. And I'm asking, what are we harvesting today in the lives of how we our young people and how we feel as individuals? Is that because all of us and everybody listening feels scattered somewhere internally we feel attacked we feel scattered why do you and i feel attacked and scattered even though we've never necessarily heard the words because they didn't say it to our faces we feel it because there is a culture of striking dishonor and therefore it has robbed across the board the sense of well-being in the people of God. Totally. How much of, I want to say this again, how much of the mental health battles of the people of God is because we lived in criticism soup? Uh, how much is our lack of the miraculous? How much is our, 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 our lack of mental well-being? I think we can apply it in many different ways. But actually, when you are in a, when you are when you're in a culture where criticism is everywhere then of course you're going to have people who struggle then with self-criticism that then leads them into mental health crisis it's, it's, it's our norm and all we're, we're almost numb to it but at the same time as that we're numb to it we're always being conditioned to default into criticism. We, 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 we are. It's the blame culture. It is the blame culture. It is the blame culture, yeah. which, which, is, which is nowhere in scripture. And, and, and it's, it's, again, we talk about this often. It's individualism. I think I know better. That kind of uh, yes. inability to question ourselves. We're not good at questioning, questioning ourselves and having very honest, exposing conversations here. What if that thought isn't right? Or what if I shouldn't think about that? Or maybe I was wrong in that situation. We are not great at having that, that sort of conversation. C can, I want to push this even deeper because I think we're identifying as prophets together one of the, as prophets should, one of the big sin issues. Mm. I mean, prophets in scripture are always, my friends, focused on um, uh, accusation. Yep. And actually you see that even in the New Testament where John the Revelator is, is dealing with the seven churches. It's the greatest piece of writing in the New Testament of what a new covenant or New Testament prophet, prophet should sound like. Yeah. It's those opening chapters of Revelation where a prophet is modeling for us um, the fact that you, you yes, you bring well dones and yes, you talk about eternal rewards, but actually you are saying to the people of God, this accusation I have against yeah. you. So you get things like to the church in Laodicea, you're I know you, you know, yeah. you're lukewarm. I know your deeds, you're neither hot nor cold. And because you're lukewarm, I'm going to, you know, uh, Re Revelation 3.15, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. So there's accusations. I think we have to say the accusation of you and I as prophets today is you have not curtailed, not just your tongue, but you have not actually subjected your mind to the washing of the standpoint of heaven when you have looked at each other now let's let's go deeper here 
by the time we jump into Mark chapter 6, it's the chapter where Jesus is saying, you know, I could do no miracles here. He's back in his hometown. Yeah. It's then the scripture that goes on to say a prophet is without honor in his own time. And he says to us without respect and honor and gratitude for each other, you lose miracles. Wow. They cannot happen in a culture of dishonor. There can be no mighty work. There can be no breakthrough. And I want to say it is not because of poor leadership. It is because of dishonor. Yeah. And leaders have beaten themselves up. The problem is me. I don't know how to host the glory of God. I don't know how to host the presence of God. You know, no, 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 no. In dishonor, God will not put miracles in your congregation and at your fingertips and in the midst of your your people. It won't happen. And we have so not seen that, even though it's right there in scripture. And we're thinking we need to fast more. Maybe this structure needs to change. Let's 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 do you know worship at the beginning and worship at the end. Let's have a five minute sermon. Let's have our church service completely reordered. And not once have we stopped and gone. Oh, maybe it's actually how we're speaking and maybe it's my heart attitude and maybe it goes beyond structure it goes beyond order it goes beyond decisions yes. right down to fundamentally what is our culture and how do we speak uh, this is really important because we we are now believing that the issues that the church have today are all structural Oh, we do believe and we have massive misunderstandings about wineskins we may have to come on to what a wineskin mm. is but we think, oh, if we just change the structure, if we just change the structure, oh God, oh God, give me a structure that, you know, your glory can sit in. God, give me a structure that hosts revival. Yeah. No, 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 no. God, give me a culture in the hearts of the people that you can work with. I mean, there we go. And, and the culture is a culture of admiration and of gratitude and of honour. Of preferring one another. Of preferring one another. And... I think that honour and how we speak is a doorway to radical favour of God. Honour is the doorway to radical transformation and that we have sown poison for years and therefore we have poisonous growth. Actually, can I say most painfully in the lives of our children? I think so too. They are reaping what we sowed. Can I tell you very honestly, I have a... a, a, a what he, I, well a son I have two sons but I have a 15 year old and uh, in fact we have to say it's going to be 16 soon so it's all very important and mm -hmm. I know you're yes already as Uncle Sam got all your birthday presents lined up for him and uh, uh, um, actually do you know what I was very pleased about he came to me saying mommy I would like some adult Lego I'm like my goodness we have we have gone back to creativity <laughs> this Peter, is good this is a, is a sign yeah. of wonder but he said to me mommy there's a Christian organization that he used to attend quite a lot. And he said, Mommy, they were so teasing of me in banter. It was supposed to be lighthearted teasing. But he said to me, Mommy, I know they're Christian and I know we worship together and I know we pray together and I know it's supposed to spiritually bring me alive. But he actually said to me, Mommy, it's not safe because we tease each other and I can't process that teasing. And there's no lines because the teasing of our day or the or the what should just be a little bit of laughing it's like the, 
the, the, it's almost vile what what is said and, and just the content just the drip it's not even one big bad thing that's said sometimes either it's, the it's culture, just the continual it's the continual yeah. you know robbing and that sense of it actually doesn't matter how brilliant your worship band is or your worship culture is or how effectively you think you're praying together. Yeah, how much you're fasting. That, that actually the culture is unsafe, yeah. irrespective of what you're doing in the yeah. spirit realm. And therefore you will have shut down people yeah. and you will have a God who closes the portals of heaven because the banter and the teasing is undermining. Totally, continually. And I think what uh, it was uh, Paul Manwaring who said... Um, culture each eats structure for breakfast or culture each yes. strategy for breakfast yes. you can literally have the best yeah. most perfect structure you can have the best strategy yes. but if your culture hasn't changed to host the values of the kingdom of god it will mean nothing and it will disappear within moments and and, and and what we're pushing today is not oh let's put this in the diary it's not, let's change this service around. It is start in our hearts, God, that the culture, because that's how culture starts. It starts in the people's hearts. Yes. And change how we speak because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So start in your heart so that, you know, and it's not just start with them over there. Yes. Oh, start with my leader, God. Change how they speak or start with that person. They need this message on this podcast. No, start with my heart. Yes. And if, if we all start to pray that, then that's when the culture starts to shift to be more honoring and less of this teasing and mocking and always, oh, I'm gonna, I need to bring you down a peg or two. I think, Sam, I'm going to get you to pray for the, the, these guys listening. We need to pray again for their pain and yeah. for their locked upness. But boy, do we need to contend before God for fire to jolly we well burn our minds they, and change how we speak uh, 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 let me let me talk about the pandemic and just put this into context of the history of the church we had churches shut down by states in every nation and we were so offended how dare you i mean we went to war in some nations some nations more than others less so in the british isles and um, but i know that other nations were very much how dare you um, shut down our church well you're not essential you're not powerful yeah. so learn don't get antsy and uptight so oh i want my right defensive defensive and offended i want my right i am offended how dare you no 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 no. you were worth shutting down Absolutely. roll with it and learn yes why were you worth sh shutting down because you were powerless why were you powerless because you're a rude backbiting dishonoring people so god can't trust you with his power mm -hmm. so because you have the mindset of civil war i can't give you my power because actually you use my power and the miraculous to make yourselves look good you and to use, fight one another you to fight one another oh we've got miracles we're better look at our yeah. hubris and our arrogance and our pride god bless me because actually there's no sense of you know, I honor what God has in you and where I break through, I want you to you break, to break through. through. Yeah. And actually where you break through, I can break through because I'm seeing you from the perspective of God. And God actually says, I'm going to empower the state to close you. And that's what he did. <laughs> and we've got to learn the lesson from it. And I, I look at some of the things that are going on in terms of the fight for buildings. You know, um, 
the need for homes, the need for ministry buildings, the need for business buildings of the people of God. And I kind of feel like God is saying to us, look, why would you expect the land to open up? Why would you expect the city leaders to bless you? Why would you expect um, the church to make a space yes. for your ministry if behind the scenes you're offended with it? I actually heard God say in my notes, some things can be healed. Some things get second, third and fourth chances. But the Lord says dishonor must go outside of the camp. In other words, he is asking us to change some friendship groups. Yeah. To change our own behavior as well. But where there is a perpetual dishonor, there is a sword of the Lord Come and on. a permission for separation. Come on. Now yeah. you can call it the remnant or not the remnant, but God is going to grow a remnant with honor as its core value. Absolutely. Come on. And we've got to stop tolerating. We, 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 we're in a culture where we, we tolerate the toxic behavior. We tolerate the dishonor. We tolerate the critical words. And we've got to stop with that. Yeah, absolutely. Sam, why don't you wrap this up by praying? I mean, some of us now need to be shaking in our boots. Yeah. Can, can we have a moment of real honesty? Oh, as I look straight at you down the camera, can I have a moment of real honesty? Sam and I and you are not righteous before God in this issue. Mm. And Sam and myself and you watching this are part of the problem. Now, we're going to become part of the solution. Hallelujah, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> but we have been part of the problem. And we have been part of the reason there is mental health issues in our young people who feel scattered and why there is not miraculous breakthrough. Sam. Pray for fire in our mouths. So for all of you that are watching, right now, we agree, and I'm agreeing it for myself as much as for you, that the fire of God comes to burn how we speak, to burn our language, to burn our words, to burn our choice of words. Father, we acknowledge right now that we have not been pure in how we have spoken, that we have not imaged the culture of honor that is in the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And now, as we invite your fire, we say, burn our mouths, burn our hearts, burn our use of language, burn our our default criticism out of us and teach us what it is to be a people who speak honor, who share honor, who discuss leadership or discuss things in the world with honor as the default value. And I bless you to go and to wash yourself in the mindset of I choose honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Burn us, burn us, burn Come us. On. Oh God, put fire in our mouths and fire in our heads Come on. and fire in our hearts that you might trust us with the very substance of your kingdom, Come on. with the working of miracles, yeah. with the breakthrough that we need because we, like you, have the art of forgiveness and celebration so wired in us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, well, we'll see you again on what the prophets say as we enjoy our truth-telling, sharpening truth adventure with you. Until next time, my friends, goodbye. Thank you for listening to another episode of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark. You clearly ooze stamina. May I gently encourage you to jump over to our website, propheticscots.com, where you can download my e-course, 
the Prophetic Warrior, nine highly interactive sessions that will equip and train you to hear the voice of God with ease. Make sure that you subscribe and like and share this podcast. You don't want to miss all the things we have coming up for you.